It has been said that first impressions are often what? Lasting impressions. That you've got one chance, one opportunity, one shot to make a lasting impression in the life of somebody else. I have found that to be true. A number of years ago, I was absolutely enthralled with a man by the name of Dr. David Jeremiah. I'm sorry, not that enthralled. I was absolutely enthralled by Dr. John MacArthur. Now, if you're sitting here and you don't know who Dr. John MacArthur is, Dr. John MacArthur has a church out in California called Grace Community Church. He's written tons of books, tons of commentaries. Uh, the man is just a genius. And I was going through a time in my life early in the ministry that I was just gobbling up every single thing I could by John MacArthur. And it was phenomenal. And I had made this statement. If I ever have an opportunity to see John MacArthur in the Ohio region, I'm going to go. And wouldn't you know, John MacArthur came to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for one night only. And I remember hopping in a van with a few guys, and we went to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, threw our luggage into the hotel room, and went to the conference center. And the conference center was large. But we had gotten there early enough that we could get the perfect seat. I didn't want to get too close, so I was seen as a creeper, but I didn't want to get too far away so that I couldn't see him. And so I made my seat. And there were a couple guys that came out before John MacArthur, and they were good. But they were not a John MacArthur good. And when John MacArthur came out that night, and if you've ever heard somebody that you think, wow, wow. You do that every week with me. But wow, wow. This guy is incredible. And so I sat there, and for a good hour, it just went like that. Now, I don't remember now, because I'm older, exactly what he talked on. But I remember sitting there that evening and thinking, oh, man, this is incredible. He's phenomenal. Wow, wow. John MacArthur ended that night, and people were going to the exits, and I'm still sitting there in my seat thinking, wow. And the guys that I went with, they said, hey, Craig, are you planning on coming back with us to the hotel? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we jump in the van, and I'm in the van. I'm still going through my wow mentality about John MacArthur. And someone suggested we stop and get some ice cream at one of those little dairy aisles. There's not too many dairy aisles around anymore, but there were some in Pittsburgh. And I'm not really much into ice cream. But I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be a poor sport. So yeah, let's, let's stop. And so everybody got out of the van, and I sat in the van, and I'm still like, what an incredible night. This is an incredible night. And I'm in the van, and I turn, and I look out the window, and I can see the window of the dairy owl. And on the window of the dairy owl, it says, slushes, 99 cents. Now, I don't know about you, but I absolutely love slushes. They're icy. They're cold. And I thought, man, this, this is good. So I jumped out of the van as fast as I could, and I got in line, and I ordered myself the biggest blue raspberry slush you've ever seen. And I'm standing there, and I'm thinking, man, I've seen John MacArthur. I got a blue slushie. The, this would be a banner day if the rapture occurred. It would be incredible. <laughs> and so I didn't even worry about a straw. I popped the lid off, and I'm drinking it all the way home. I'm thinking, this has been a phenomenal night. I don't think it can get any better. And so we park, and there's a lit parking lot. We're walking par across the parking lot, and my friends are doing this to me. Hey, looking good tonight, Craig, looking good. And I'm thinking, yeah, I know that. And they kept going, looking good tonight, Craig, looking good. And I'm thinking, what, what, what's going on here? We walk into the foyer, and uh, uh, little did I know that my lips were completely blue from the blue raspberry slush. 
My lips were blue. My tongue was blue. I looked like something out of a science fiction novel. And I, but they didn't tell. They just kept going, hey, looking good. And I pressed the button of the elevator, elevator and I turned. And who was standing right there? Dr. John MacArthur. And I don't know what happened at that moment. I don't know if I had a brain fart or what, but I went, hey, man, how are you? And I stuck my hand out, and, I, and he took a step back. And the first thought was, he knows who I am. He knows who I am. And I go, you are phenomenal tonight, just phenomenal. And he keeps looking at my lips. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? What are you looking at my lips for? Do you like my lips? My friends keep going, thumbs up. The elevator door opens, and I'm going to be in an elevator with Dr. John MacArthur. I am so excited about it. He gets in, I get in, and I am so nervous I start drinking this blue raspberry slush as fast as I can. And what happens when you eat a blue raspberry slush as fast as you can? I got a brain freeze and I went, oh, 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 and John MacArthur steps back in the corner of the elevator and just stares at me. All this time my friends are like, yes, yes, you got this, you got this. John MacArthur gets out on his floor, the elevator doors close, and I'm like, guys, that was incredible. That was awesome. And they go, yeah, it was awesome, all right. It was awesome. They said, Craig, when you get into your hotel room, go into the bathroom and check out your face. And I went into the bathroom and I saw my lips and I saw my tongue. And it was one of these that I just wanted to bang my head on the sink until I went unconscious, you know. Because I know without a shadow without years later, I made a lasting impression on Dr. John MacArthur. And as funny as that is to you, to you, uh, every day, every single day, you'll see it up here. Every day, in every way, we leave a lasting impression on someone's life. And the real question is, is it a positive impression or a negative impression? I think all of us can think of at least one or two people in our life that have made a lasting impression on us. They have impacted our life to the point of where we are very different today because of that. And they have said just the right thing at just the right time for all the right reasons. They're the kind of people that enter into our world that bring us encouragement and bring us strength when we needed it the most. Do you know of someone like that? Remember uh, the first week when we've been talking about this series, Uplift? We said, they may not remember the things that I did. They may not remember the things that I said. They may not remember the stories that I told, but they will never, ever forget the way that I made them feel. And I think that's true. There are certain people that when you hear their name, you think they were there just the right time. Tonight we want to look at a person from God's word that did exactly that. It's a person that we often gloss over in scripture. When we read scripture, sometimes we read it so quick that there are certain names and certain people that stand out that we don't even see the impact that they are making 
And we'll see that individual tonight. We can hardly say his name, let alone spell it. But he was the kind of person that truly exhibited a ministry of refreshment to the Apostle Paul in his time of need. And his name is Onesiphorus. Say it with me. Onesiphorus. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing the name right. I mean, I'll probably get to heaven, I'll say Onesiphorus, and he'll say one is for us, Greg. I, I don't know. But what is interesting is this guy out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, his name means useful. His name means profit bringer. His name means one who brings advantage. How many of you would agree with this? We live in a world where people try to take advantage of us every single day. Would you agree with that? But to find someone who offers or gives us advantage these days, that's a rare person to find. And the word advantage means when someone gives you advantage, they're giving you leverage. They're giving you a, a leg up. They're giving you help. They're giving you aid along the way. Now, in order to understand this guy, in order to understand what he did, we have to just give you a little bit of background in order for it to make sense, to see how he ministered to the Apostle Paul. So here's the setting. The Apostle Paul is in Rome. He is in a Roman cell. He is chained. He is bound. He is awaiting his appeal before Caesar and ultimately his execution. And we know that in spite of Paul's circumstances, he remained faithful and strong. But being human like you and I, he was not immune to the natural emotions that sometimes occur during times of struggles and hardships. Now, if you know anything about scripture, you know that this was not the first time that Paul was in prison. Paul was also in prison in the book of Philippians. He was under, anyone know? Under house arrest. Uh, it was like being confined to a holiday inn compared to where he is now. Uh, he's in a, a dark, damp, dirty dungeon, not fit for human beings. And there is just enough light for him to write his last will and testament out to a young man in the faith called Timothy. And he will write that last will and testament out, and we are fortunate enough tonight to have it. And it's in those dark days of loneliness and discomfort, disappointment and uncertainty that the Lord provides for Paul a ministry of refreshment with a man by the name of Anesiphorus. And here's what I want us to do. We're going to put that up here. And I want you to just take a moment and read it on your own. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including, including Fedulus and homogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Anesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. I want to show you tonight how this seemingly unknown guy slips into the pages of Scripture and is a lasting impression in the Apostle Paul's life. Paul could have talked about anyone he wanted to in his last will and testament. But this man comes to his mind. 
That's what encouragers do. Encouragers are brought to our mind. People that lift us up, we remember them throughout our lifetime. Here's the first thing that he did. I think you'll see it. He refreshed Paul. He refreshed Paul. In the overwhelming heat of trials and stress and prison and loneliness and uncertainty, Paul finds himself revived when this dear saint walks into his cell. Now, I'm not quite sure how he refreshed Paul, but how would you like to be refreshed if you were in Paul's sandals? And maybe he refreshed Paul physically. Maybe he brought food. Maybe he brought clothes. Maybe he brought a blanket. Uh, But physically, he refreshed him possibly in some way. Maybe he just grabbed him and held him and told him that he loves him and he cares. Every single one of us needs an anesophorus in our life. And every single one of us needs to be an anesophorus in other people's lives. And so one of the ways that we can do that, guys, is just refreshing people physically. Just refreshing people physically. I'm so thankful. I don't know if this is exactly how Onesiphorus refreshed Paul, but something to think about of how we can refresh others. A second, maybe he refreshed him emotionally. And maybe he became a sounding board for Paul. I mean, Paul's not talking to many people. Uh, maybe a Roman guard that's, uh, that he's chained to, but maybe he was just a sounding board for Paul. Maybe he said very little. Maybe he talked a lot. I don't know. Maybe he just sat with him and reminded him that God will not waste his pain. I want to just take a moment because every single one of us here, at some time in our life, will go through a time of struggle and go through a time of pain. And when you have a person that comes alongside And doesn't just say, hey, it'll be okay. Sometimes it's not okay. But someone that would just be there and just care and to let you know God does not waste pain. He does not waste those times where we're trying to figure out, what are you doing, Lord? He will not waste that. He will use that ultimately for his glory. And so I believe maybe he refreshed Paul emotionally. Another one, maybe he refreshed him relationally. Maybe he brought news from the home front. Or he brought news from the churches that support him and and are praying for him and love him. Uh, Maybe letting him know what's going on outside of the prison walls. How the gospel is going forth and people people are coming to know Christ. I mean, when you are down in the dumps and somebody brings something your way and refreshes you, you are forever thankful for it. Physically, emotionally, relationally. And maybe he refreshed Paul spiritually. Spiritually. He prayed with him. You know how you can refresh somebody sometimes? I I can just imagine Paul and maybe Anesiphorus swapping scriptures with one another. Both of them knowing the first five books of the Old Testament and saying, well, oh, how about this one? Well, how about this one? How about this one? And kind of bantering back and forth and sharing Scripture with one another. And maybe there's even a time when spiritually they just, they just sang. They sang their hearts out to the Lord. Everyone needs an anesophorus in their life. And everyone needs to be an anesophorus in someone else's life. And these are the things that we draw on, that we need if we're going to refresh other people. Whether it's physically, 
emotionally, relationally, or spiritually. Proverbs 11.25 says this, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So we've been doing this series on encouragement. And I thought, you all need encouraged, but who are the people in my life that I should be encouraging the most? And my family came to mind. And so I texted my son uh, on Friday after our time last Thursday. I want to read, I want you into my world just for a few minutes. I, I want to read you what I, what I sent him uh, and his response. I said, Jared, you continue to amaze me. Your work ethic, your commitment to Courtney, and your overall attitude has been wonderful to see the transition God is doing in your life. So excited to see the other chapters God has written about you. I love you, son, dad. And his response was this. Who are you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> his response is, thanks, CP. He never calls me dad. He just calls me CP. Thanks, CP. I've been getting back into reading my Bible every day. Something I got out of the habit of doing. Love you too. I wanted to be in a nest of forest for my son. And in, in doing so, I was refreshed myself. That's what anesophoruses do. We often refresh others. Is there someone you know that refreshes your soul when they enter in your world? Is there someone that you can refresh today? Here's the big question. What do people say about you when you walk in the room? Do people go, oh no, there's Craig. He's like a wet blanket. Doom and gloom king, you know. Uh, the master of discouragement, or do people say, hey, there's Mike. Man, he is a breath of fresh air, filled with joy and excitement and life. What do people say about you? Uh, I remember as a teenager working at a church camp. How many of you ever worked at a church camp? A number of you. I worked at a church camp for seven years. And one of the years, I said, you know, I just want to work maintenance. I just want to do maintenance. I want to mow. I want to paint. I want to do something. I just want to do this all summer long. And I happened to pick one of those summers that was just extremely hot. It was so humid. And we knew that throughout the summer, sometime during camp season, they would bring in all the hay for the horses for the winter. And they would bring in trailer after trailer after trailer. Hundreds of bales of hay. And we knew that it would take a full day of us just throwing hay bales as high as we could, as high as that horse barn was. And they elected me to be way at the top. And it was, it was just so hot in that barn. And my whole clothes, I remember just being soaked. I looked like a glazed donut. I was just, just all shiny. And they kept throwing hay bale after hay bale after hay bale up. And right when I was at the point where I thought, I can't do one more hay bale we hear a truck coming up the gravel drive to the horse barn. And behind that steering wheel was the camp or the, the maintenance director's wife. Her name was Mrs. Ice, Ruth Ice. She's gone home to be with the Lord. And she got out of that truck and she went to the back of the truck, opened up the tailgate, and brought out a huge igloo cooler filled with ice-cold lemonade. I will tell you to this day that was the coldest 
and that was the best lemonade I have ever had. She had these little dinky Dixie cups. You know what I'm talking about? I'm thinking, I could drink a million of these things. And have you, ever, have you ever been so thirsty that the first couple, you don't even taste. You're just like, <gasps> and they're so good. And we all stood there, and we're just soaked. And we're drinking this ice-cold lemonade saying, this is so good. This is so good. She was there at the right time, said and did the right thing for all the right reasons. She often refreshed us. Um, so did Anessa Force. He shows up and brings relief from the pressures and weariness of being in a prison cell. And I want you to see something from this text. I don't know if your Bibles are open or not. If they are, get to 2 Timothy chapter 1. But there's something that's important that you, we often skim over. This, I don't think, was the first time that he did this. Because if you look at verse 16, it says he what? He often refreshed me. He often refreshed me. Paul is saying this was not a one and done. This is a one and many. His devotion to Paul had begun many years earlier. If you look at verse 18, he had proven his courage and faithfulness by the services he rendered at Ephesus when Paul ministered there. I think one of the times when people need someone to exhibit the ministry of refreshment is at a funeral. We've had a number of good people pass away over the last two weeks. Our ladies that help out with our funerals are just jam-packed. They are super busy. Uh, there's funeral after funeral after funeral. And uh, uh, I don't know about you, but when you're standing in line at a funeral and you're going through calling hours, most of us as men aren't quite sure what to say, even if we're close with that person. We know we're going to hug them. We know, we know we're going to say we're sorry. And then there's that awkward moment. You know what I'm talking about. We don't know what else to say except I'm praying for you, which we hopefully are. And we make this statement. And I've done it. If you need anything, just call. Just call. And we mean well. We have good intentions, don't we? But they will never call. Rarely will they call. They don't want to inconvenience you. And so we kind of are expecting their call, or maybe we're not. But what we fail to do as being in an SFORS is maybe a week later or a few days later, when everyone that came from out of town has gone back and everything is normal for them, but things are not ever normal again for the person, for the widow or widower, we never call them, we never take a meal, we never check up. Let me encourage you men to do that. You're going to be at a funeral sometime this year. Someone else's or yours, okay? You can't go to yours. But you're going to be at a funeral. And so just keep that in mind to say, you know what, I'm going to do something for them. And the thing about us being a nest of forces, no one has to ask us. When there is a heart of encouragement and lifting up others, we do it because we love people. Can it be an inconvenience? Yes. But think about if you were on the other side of that. He often refreshed Paul. Um, in what ways can you and I be a ministry of, of refreshment to others? And guys, these are simple things. We've kind of talked about them the last couple of weeks. A phone call. A phone call says volumes to somebody. 
How many times have you called someone and they're like, hey, thank you so much for calling. This was just perfect timing. Uh, taking the meal over. Grabbing their kids. Someone's had an extremely difficult week or a difficult month or a difficult year. And you say, you know what, we're going to drive over and we're going to grab your kids and we're going to just take them someplace. Just, just, for, just for a few hours, just to give you a break. That says volumes. Maybe just an arm around the shoulder or or a card. I know we made fun, uh, 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 I think the first week when I said, you remember when you used to get handwritten cards? That, that says everything. It says that you took some time. Instead of texting someone, eh, it's fine, or an email. But a handwritten card says an awful lot. Here, here's the second one that we see tonight. That Paul was a lasting impression on the Apostle Paul. He associated himself with Paul's suffering. He was sympathetic towards Paul's situation. He didn't walk away. He, he was not ashamed of Paul's chains. He, listen, he was willing to set aside his own schedule, which is hard to do as men, uh, all, all of our agenda. I have had an extremely busy week. I'm not telling you that so you can go, oh, Craig. But I thought, man, I want to get as much as I can. There's so much going on this week. And I'm sitting in staff meeting on Tuesday. And my phone goes off. And someone in our church saying, we lost our dad. And he would like you to do the funeral. Guys, you cannot say no to that. You cannot say, can I fit you in in July? Because right now things are so busy. That's when you maybe are inconvenienced, but that's the best time that we can be in a nest of forest in the life of somebody else. And sometimes I fail greatly in that. He was not ashamed of Paul's suffering. He was not ashamed of his chains. He risked his good name by helping Paul and others. But look at verse 15. Some completely said, everyone in the providence of Asia has deserted me, including Fedulus and Hermogenes. Now those are two names I would not recommend as baby names. No, I don't even know what they mean. We know nothing about these guys except they lack courage. When it got too hot in the kitchen of life, instead of associating themselves with Paul's suffering, they bailed. And it's interesting that Paul brings this out in the letter, and who's the letter to? Timothy. So Timothy knows who, who these individuals are. They were just cowards. Onesiphorus stepped in and was a breath of fresh air during Paul's time of suffering and hardship. He had the ability to look past the chains. There's going to be a time when all of us are going to go through some heartache. We're going to go through some pain. And the thing that happens sometimes is many people don't know how to handle the situation that you're in. Guys, don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of what they're going through. Enter into their life. Enter into their world. You cannot, you cannot go through it for them. But you can walk the road with them. And I look around here tonight, and there's a lot of guys here tonight. And you know the people that are in your world that we can walk that road with. And so he, he 
was able to associate himself with Paul's suffering. He looked past the chains and looked more at his pain. I want to tell you a story about a little boy named Jim Jones, not the Jim Jones Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid Jim Jones. Okay. His name's Jim Jones. Jim Jones lived in Mississippi, and at the age of five, he, uh, with his family, uh, moved all the way to northern Michigan. Now, the time that Jim Jones lived uh, was not a good time racially. And so when he moved up to Michigan, it was kind of a traumatic time in his life. So much that when Jim began to talk, he began to stutter. And when he went into school and they would ask his name, kids would begin to laugh and make fun of him when he would go, Jim Jones. So he decided, I'm going to do very little talking in grade school. And so throughout some of the grade school, he did very little talking. When someone would ask a question, it was either a nod of the head this way or this way. But he tried not to say much because of his stuttering. But he found a love. And that love was poetry. And he would sit down and he would start to write poetry and it came very natural for him. Well, there was a year when he was writing poetry that one of his teachers, a new teacher, came into the school and noticed that Jim Jones loved poetry and he loved poetry. And so because he was Jim's teacher, he made some assignments dealing with poetry. And very interesting enough, this teacher saw something in Jim Jones that he didn't even see or know in himself. And so he had an assignment. He said, I want everyone to come up with their own poem. I want you to turn it in, but I want you to have it memorized as well. And when he got all the poems that day, he leafed through and he came to Jim Jones's name. He said, Jim, in front of the whole class, I'm not quite so sure you really wrote this. Yes I, yes, I, yes, I did. He said, I, I'm not so sure if you really wrote this. You know, if you really wrote this, why don't you come up front and why don't you share that poem with the entire class? And Jim Jones is thinking, what is going on here? But he knew something that Jim Jones did not know. That when you begin to do poetry, there's a rhythm in poetry. And if you know anyone that stutters when they sing or when they do poetry, the stuttering stops. Jim Jones got up there that day and he would say it was rough at the beginning. But as he began that back and forth, he stopped stuttering for the first time in his life. You know who Jim Jones is. James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones has done Lion King, Field of Dreams, tons of movies, Darth Vader. And what's interesting, this comes out of the book Overcomer by David Jeremiah. It says this, today we know James Earl Jones, a superb actor, famous for his acting talent and his incredible voice. But again, that's not the end of the story. Years later, at the pinnacle of Jones's career, he was asked to record the New Testament. 
He remembered his teacher, the man who had given him victory over his disability all those years ago and dedicated the reading to him. And as Jones put it, my teacher not only helped to guide me to the author of the scriptures, but as the father of my resurrected voice, also helped me find abundant life in Jesus. It all took an Anesophorus to make an impact, a lasting impression in James Earl Jones' life. Well, I've been talking, and I want to give you guys an opportunity in your groups. There are two questions that I want you to hammer out for a little bit, and those questions are these. Share a time when you entered another person's pain. What did you say, and was it awkward? And then the second, share a time when you stood up for someone when everyone else seemed to turn away. So I'm letting you loose, and we'll get you in 10, 15 minutes. All right. I, um, I think you would probably agree that this is uh, a portion of Scripture that we kind of just uh, slide by and we don't think about it much, but uh, uh, especially when we're talking about being an agent of encouragement in a world of despair, uh, it really sets the tone. I want us to take a look at it. I want you to see the things that we've covered. You know that everyone in the providence of Asia has deserted me, including Fedulus and Hermogenes, May the Lord show mercy to the household of Anesiphorus because he, one, often refreshed me, and two, was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, what did he do? He searched hard for me. Searched hard for me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. Really, our third way that we can be a, a, a lasting impression in someone's life is Paul searched hard for, or I'm sorry, Anesiphorus searched hard for Paul. In other words, he made it his business to find Paul. He sought him out. Um, and the text suggests that uh, it cost uh, Anesiphorus considerable time and energy and possible danger. Uh, Matthew Henry, one of his commentaries, says this, A good man will seek opportunities of doing good and will not shun from it. And I don't think Anesiphorus had the idea that some of us do or the attitude that some of us have of, you know what, if I have nothing else to do, I'll swing by Rome. Nobody swings by Rome, okay? Or if, if I have a chance, I'll stop by for a few minutes and chit-chat. Now, he, he made it his business to search out Paul and find him for the sole purpose of building him up. Now, I don't know where Anesiphorus was coming from, but the fact that he would travel to Rome to see Paul when it may cost him his good name, that's the kind of guy I want on my team. He made diligent efforts to seek Paul out for the sole purpose of lifting him up. Anesiphorus would have been a great candidate, if not the president, of the Second Mile Club because he went the extra mile to minister to Paul was even inconvenienced to touch his very heart and soul. Um, is there someone you need to hunt down? Make it your business to find them for the sole purpose of building them up, not tearing them down. When we began our men's ministry in 1995, it's been a long time, 1995, we started out with a simple book. It's a book by Stu Weber called Locking Arms. We just wanted guys to develop godly, biblical friendships. Guys more than women have a difficult time developing friendships of 
what to do and how vulnerable and how authentic and how transparent are we supposed to be with one another. And we took time and we went through that great book. And one of the things in that book stands out that I want to read to you tonight that I think really keys in on this whole area of he refreshed Paul, he was not ashamed of his suffering, and that he sought him out, he searched hard for Paul. Comes out of this book by Stu Weber. You probably have heard the powerful story coming out of World War I of the deep friendship of two soldiers in the trenches. Month after long month, they lived out their lives in the trenches, in the mud, in the cold, under fire, and under orders. From time to time, one side or the other would rise up out of the trenches, fling their bodies against the opposing line, and slink back to lick their wounds, bury their dead, and wait to do it all over again. In the process, friendships were forged in the misery. Two soldiers became particularly close. Day after day, night after night, tear after tear, they talked about life, of family, of hopes, of what they would do when and if they returned from this bloody war. On one more fruitless charge, Jim fell severely wounded. His friend Bill made it back to the relative safety of the trenches. Meanwhile, Jim laid beneath the night flares, between the trenches, alone. The shelling continued. The danger was at its peak. Between the trenches was no place to be. Still, Bill wished to reach his friend, to comfort him, to offer what encouragement only friends can offer. But the officer in charge refused to let Bill leave the trench. It was simply too dangerous. But as the officer turned his back, Bill went over the top, ignoring the smell of cordite in the air, the concession of incoming rounds and the pounding in his chest, and Bill made it to Jim. Sometime later, Bill managed to get Jim back to the safety of the trenches. But it was too late. His friend was gone. The somewhat self-righteous officer seeing Jim's body cynically asked Bill if it had been worth the risk. And Bill's response was without hesitation. Yes, sir, he said. My friend's last words made it more than worth it because he looked up at me and he said, I knew you'd come back. I knew you'd come back. Men, the very things that we have covered tonight about Anesophorus, are the very things that the Lord seeks to do in our life every single day. He wants to refresh us with his word. He wants to refresh us with his spirit. He wants us to refresh, he wants to refresh us with you guys on a Thursday night, brother to brother, learning, growing, praying together, refreshing one another. He does that every single day. He also looks past our chains. He looks past our sin, our shame, our suffering, and he wants to extend forgiveness in our life. We always say this, we're all dragging our chains. We just have a good way of camouflaging them. And yet the Lord knows he's not ashamed of the chains that we're dragging, but he doesn't, want us, he doesn't want to see us that way forever. He wants to bring us out of that and revive us and renew us and restore us of where we need to be. And here's the beauty that Jesus searches us. He makes it his business to pursue us. That when we go our, our way and we go off the road of righteousness and we decide to do our own thing, he calls us back. He makes it his business to find us and help us when we've gone astray 
because we can become a prisoner of our flesh so easy. He gives us hope and encouragement for another day. Most of us have been around long enough to know the hymn that says this. Come home, come home. All who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling all sinners, come home. These are the things that God, through his son Jesus Christ, wants to do in our life every single day. He's that Anesophorus in our life. You will either be an Anesophorus for someone else or someone will be a Anesophorus in your life. We all need an Anesophorus in our life and we all need to be an Anesophorus in someone else's life. In doing so, a lasting impression will be made. This week, guys, this is your homework. It's not to read one more verse on encouragement, although that's great. It's to be that encouragement. Think about your workplace. Think about your wife. Think about your kids. Think about your grandkids. Uh, think about that little grandson that's debating whether or not he should play basketball because when he goes out, he's not very good and he feels really inadequate. And before he goes out, you pull him aside and you say, hey, just have a good time. You can do it. Go have fun. But we can all encourage someone. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Let's all be in mess of force. Let's stand together and pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for you sending your son, Jesus Christ, to this earth that helped us to see that he truly is the only way into salvation. And Lord, you know where we're at tonight. You know if we have a relationship with you or we're just trying to fake it. And we cannot fake you. You know every move. You know everything we go through. You know the highs and the lows. And you seek to search us out, to pursue us, to, 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 not, to, to, to associate with our chains, to enter into our world, to refresh us. And so for the guy that's here tonight that is just as empty as can be, I pray that what has been said tonight would raise his spirits. And Lord, you would bring someone into his life that would just uplift him. And in the process, he would be able to uplift others. For the man in here tonight who's never given his life to you, never said, Lord, just come in, forgive me of my sin. I've been trying for so long to do it on my own, and I've come up empty. What a great night to say, Lord, just come into my life and forgive me. I want to start a new life. A new, I'm a new creation because of you. And Lord, for some of us who have known you for a long time, let's not pack it in. Let's not just say, all right, I've been around the block a long time and I don't need to do anything else. Walk into the world tomorrow and put a smile on someone's face and let them know that you care and be that refreshment for them. Make a lasting impression. Thanks, Lord, for tonight, for these guys. I love them so much and so thankful that we can just grow together in you. And just watch over us, Lord. Just bring us back next week and... Uh, we just thank you for what you're doing. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.